Oh, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the new season. As I said last week, we'll be doing a countdown of the moments of the decade in hockey. This week, we'll be talking about the moment that we felt defined the sport the most in the past decade and a couple other things. And we have a little surprise for you a little bit further down the road. After the new year, you'll hear some talk about the moments of the decade in baseball and football as well. So look for that in 2020. But for now, we're back to hockey. Parker, here with me as well as always. What's up? So we'll just kick right into it. What moment, or I guess not moment, what do you think really defined the sport this decade? Well, there's a lot. And I think this decade has been really interesting because it shifted from We've really been seeing a transition from the dead puck era to uh, scoring, really ramping up again. Like uh, last year, Nikita Kucherov had like 130-something points, yeah, which is like one of the highest point totals that we've seen since like, what, the late 90s? Back when scoring, that would be the quote-unquote norm for stars. I, I almost forgot that he did that. Yeah, it, it's wild. Like I remember a couple seasons ago where... Like, the highest scorer was, like, I think, like, Jamie Benn with, like, 96 points mm-hmm. or something like that. It was only, like, a couple of decades ago where, you know, we had players putting up, like, 150, 160 points routinely every year. Yeah, I mean, back back then, goalies didn't exist. Now they do. Right. And I think that's really what I'm going to go with for this decade is just the quality of goaltending that we've seen. I mean, we look at a lot of goaltenders that are in the uh, NHL Hall of Fame right now, and it's like, if you just look... If you're just looking at their numbers, like some would have like a like a 895 save percentage, but have like six Stanley Cups. <laughs> like you won't, won't really see that much. That would be hovering around like 920 or anything like that. But in the NHL today, we see a lot of elite goaltenders that have save percentages upwards of 915. Goals against averages that are below 2.5. Still putting up like 30, 40 wins. That's really what I would have to say really is just the, not only the, quality of goaltending but the amount of quality goaltending too it's always curious who's going to win the Vesna. obviously there's still like the same two or three goaltenders who are always in it every year but it seems like the winner is always someone different and there's always like another goaltender to keep an eye out on yeah i mean anybody who listens to this show regularly or knows either one of us knows that we're big goalie guys and have always been so i'm not really that surprised to hear you say that quite honestly i mean look at the goaltending this decade compared to not even 20 years ago. It's light and day. No, you're, you're definitely right. Like, even guys that are backups today would have been pretty good starters uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to the argument of Gretzky versus McDavid. But, no, you're definitely right. I mean, that's a point to be made. As far as what defines the decade for me, I'll put it kind of generally and broadly... I think the era of inclusion, if you will, like I look at how women's hockey, for example, has grown. Like Team USA women's are dominant, um, and it's not something we would have said that long ago. I mean, they always had a sort of good team, um, but now, I mean, I think it's more commonplace. People know names like Amanda Kessel just off the top of their head. People following the NWHL and the CWHL, knowing names like Jenna Heffron and stuff like that. It's become sort of a its own thing. I mean, women's hockey right now is growing at the most exponential rate I think it's ever grown at. Like, there's so much to talk about. Even as far as, like, I don't know if you know this, the Premier Women's Hockey League just partnered with Twitch. So they're going to be streaming games on Twitch this year, which I think is really cool. 
there's so much going on in that sort of thing that I think that's what kind of defines the decade. I know I'm kind of pointing this poorly, but that's basically how I feel is that it's been an era of inclusion. I mean, even the fight for equal rights for players who may have been discriminated against prior, whether it's players who were openly gay or even racial discrimination that we've seen at the forefront of the NHL lately, just more and more. I mean, we're seeing players that are of native descent coming to the NHL. We're seeing Japanese players. Yeah, like we have a lot of players of Middle Eastern descent, like Brendan Saad, Justin Ablicator, Mika Zabanajad, Nazem Kadri, Jujar Korea, even though he's a first-generation Canadian, he comes from Punjabi ancestry. And we have well, multiple Latinos, like Alex Montoya and Max Pacioretty. Yeah, Austin Tavares. Matthews. He's yeah, Austin had... Matthews is too. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, there are a few uh, p- players of Asian descent, like Kaylor Yamamoto, who I think is going to be really big in the 2020s decade of the NHL, and Matt Dumba. Well, even like the Islanders have two guys, like Josh Hosong is obviously, he's a mixed descent, and Andong Song as well. He's a, another player who I think is actually from over there. Like I said, I think this has been a really good era for that kind of thing. You look at the start of the 2000s, there weren't many players who were mixed or colored. Women's hockey, at least in the States, I know it's always been sort of big up in Canada, but it wasn't as big here. Now, I think you see people who are, I mean, you can watch women's hockey games on TV. You can see people who, if you are, whether you're Punjabi, whether you're Spanish, if you're black, white, whatever color you are, you could see people of your same ethnicity and background playing hockey and it's getting people involved. I mean, you're seeing at the youth level there are more young players, even more draft prospects coming through that are from different backgrounds that are getting a chance to play. Yeah, so go off of that. Over at the Sordoni Art Gallery here at Wilkes, we just had this exhibit called Two Presidents, One Photographer, where we had there's this White House photographer, Pete Souza, who took pictures while he was the White House photographer for Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama. And one of the pictures there was the six-year-old African-American boy with President Obama, and Obama had his head leaned over, and the, the boy was uh, touching his head. They both had buzz-cut heads. And the real thing that I took away from there is that this is the first time this kid was able to see someone that he could look up to that he saw himself in. And I feel like that's something that some kids that are growing up watching the NHL, seeing all these ethnic players in the NHL now, is being like, hey, that's me. And I feel like we're going to be seeing that a lot more in the upcoming decade, too. You know, because it's easy to identify with something when you see yourself in it. Yeah, no, for sure. That's the big thing is putting people in power, giving people chances who wouldn't normally have that opportunity. I mean, and all the work they put in is, is finally paying off. I think even more recently, we're seeing players, this kind of falls in the umbrella, too, of inclusion where Bell Let's Talk, mental health, dealing with concussions and even like people like Dan DeCarcillo who don't always go about things the right way but have good meaning like they're finding ways to include basically everybody that's a big point of emphasis too of this decade is people can finally play hockey it's not the old white guys game anymore and there's nothing wrong with any color even you know even white people but like the point of the matter is, is it's viewed as that game for a reason because that's all it's ever been now we get a chance to see what everybody can do Speaking of mental health, do you remember the Players' Tribune? Yeah. I remember Bryce Salvador, who was a former captain for the New Jersey Devils. He wrote an article about his mental health back when he played in the NHL and what he went through, which I think is a really good read. 
Right, yeah, I know. For and also, sure. another ethnic player yeah. in the NHL who even became a team captain for most of his tenure with the Devils. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's certainly turning now that way. That's for the best, though. I think, like I said, I thought you had some good points, too, about the goaltending. And, I mean, this all kind of ties in. It's It really is... We say it's a new decade because it is, but it's also a new era. Like, you know, they say the kids are all taking over. The young players in the game are more open to things. They're more open to analytics. Like, we saw the boom of analytics and hockey war, if you will, whatever you want to call it, finally taking shape. We saw the NHL embrace workload management like the NBA does. Like, the NHL is finally stepping away from their past and leaving behind things like overtly fighting like you still see fights and that's great i think fighting is a big part of hockey for the casual viewer but less dangerous fights like we're seeing things finally include everybody and give everybody a chance to enjoy the sport because i think hockey is the best sport on the planet and i'm glad to see it finally growing the way it deserves to we're really seeing that move away from physicality with teams like uh, the tampa bay lightning and the uh, carolina hurricanes that are really built around speed agile players, smart, really high hockey IQ players rather than just big, bad bruisers. Yeah, no, well, you're Obviously, we still have teams right. like that. Like Boston Bruins are a very physical team that are also pretty good. Washington Capitals are also a physical team, but they also have a lot of, of high hockey IQ players too. Well, and so. we're looking at smart physicality. Like you look at a guy, we're going to talk about him very shortly, Alex Ovechkin. He has played the game of hockey for over a decade now the same way. He's a goal scorer. He is a menace to play against, and he's physical. Ovechkin doesn't get bullied off the puck. He puts his head down. He'll throw checks. Ovechkin ran over a linesman last night, which, that's a different story, but, I mean, he... You can be a good player and be physical. We don't have guys just running around taking people's heads off anymore. The people like Zach Ronaldo are, are, are which he's still playing, but, like, people who used to play like him are going away. Tom yeah, Wilson yeah, had to adapt. He's playing in the AHL. No, he's in Vancouver. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Tom Wilson, he's arguably an offensive catalyst for his team. He's now. had to evolve. And, I mean, he's still dirty, which that, well, that's not a, that's a story for a different day. But he, like you said, he is a big part of the Capitals' offense. He's a power forward. And even a couple years ago, Pratt Maroon for a time was a very good offensive forward who was also very physical. Yeah, no, and there's nothing wrong with being physical. I mean, that's why hockey's great because you can just slam guys on the boards. But yeah, um, yeah. But the times of getting cronwalled are uh, fading away. Well, obviously some players will still get cronwalled, but it's not won't be as frequent as it used to be. Yeah, I like to call it smart physicality. You know, work smarter, not harder. Now, again, a thing we wanted to touch on, we just alluded to this, was last episode, if you listened, and if you didn't, I'll catch you up a little bit. Parker, myself, and our guest Nick all talked about our team of the decade, and our unanimous forward lineup was Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, and Patrick Kane. Today, Parker and I are going to go into that a little bit and discuss not only the impact they've both had, but the legacy they, they're going to leave behind. Because let's be honest, none of the three are going to be playing this time in 2030. So, well, most likely not. Alex Ovechkin might still be scoring 50. I mean, Yarmer Yager played until he was 45, and he's still playing. Yeah, I, I so. saw him the other day. He had a weight vest on, skating around. Back to the original point. Parker, what impact? We'll start with Patrick Kane. What's his lasting legacy? The impact with Patrick Kane, I think, will be that he's the the first undisputed, truly prolific elite American player we've seen in the past, I don't even know. I mean, I don't want to say because he's an American that he's been a prolific, but I think that that's definitely something that you have to think about. I mean, before him, there weren't really that many 
well, there were good American players, but there weren't good American players, you know what I mean? And he's an offensive catalyst in his own right. He's putting up, like, 95-point seasons every year, it seems. Uh, no matter who's around him, no matter who he's with, he makes his line mates play better, and he just has a ripping shot. Yeah, Patrick Kane, like you said, I mean, the last really big-name USA guy before him was Mike Modano. And Mike Modano, for all his warts, he was a good player, and he's a Hall of Famer, but Patrick Kane is one of the best players of all time. I mean, you're talking about a pure offensive dangler, a guy who can put the puck on the net as well as he can put the puck past you. Not a physical player, but also not a big penalty guy. I mean, he really revolutionized what it means to be an American hockey player. The new sort of style of finesse and pure skill over pure work. I really think he made the game look easy for a couple of years there. And it's it's kind of crazy that even as he's getting older, I think he's getting better because he's finding new ways to score. As he's not really slowing down, but he's still, you know, he's slowing down a little bit. His hands aren't. And they say, as long as you still have your hands, you can still play hockey. Yeah, just look at Pavel Datsuk. Even in his last season, he was still deking people and breaking their ankles yep. going around them. It's just sometimes you just need to be a magician. He's one of the best. Yeah, and I mean, Patrick Kane, his shoot-up move alone, he's, I think he revolutionized the slowdown and shoot. I mean, he literally walks up to the goalie. Speed, although he is quick, was never a huge part of his game. And I think that's why he's got the longevity and will continue to do so for at least the next five years, if not more. Yeah, I don't see him slowing down, especially because he has the kid, the Brinkett, with him too, who's a very talented player in his American own right. player. Yeah. We could be seeing the next Patrick Kane. Yeah, with Patrick Kane? Yeah. So I'll take the reins on the next one because the next one is near and dear to my heart. Sidney Crosby, to me, not only defines the decade of hockey, he defines a generation of players. Everybody that's coming into the league now names Sidney Crosby as one of their inspirations, which Sidney Crosby is only 31 years old, and he's already inspiring the next crop of hockey players. Because from the get-go, when he was 16 playing in Ramuski, when he was 18 playing in the NHL, when he was winning back-to-back cups and captaining Stanley Cup teams, he's always been doing the right things. He's never had a moment where he could be a bad or have an off day. I can't think of the last time Sidney Crosby had a bad game. The, the last time I even had a bad play was probably the playoffs where he missed a check. That's because it's, a, it's not the norm for him. It's the exception. You know what I mean? Like, Sidney Crosby is, without a doubt, to me, the best player to ever play the game. Even if he's not up there with Gretzky and Lemieux point-wise, I think Sidney Crosby, for all of his defensive abilities, his face-offs, his leadership, his points, that's what makes him the best. Yeah, that's one thing you look at with Sidney Crosby. Because I remember when he first started, this man cannot take a face-off to save his life. And now he's one of the best face-off men in the league. He is one of the smartest players in the league. While he's not a super fast guy, he's quick. He knows how to use his hands. He's gotten better defensively. I wouldn't call him a premier two-way forward, but he, he could do more than most centers. I still see plays where it's just like he'll be dancing around four defenders and just still a man to rocket a laser off his backhand. If you can't say he's one of the smartest, if not the smartest hockey players ever hit the ice, then you're just, I don't know what to say to you, because he's really, there's a reason why he's so prolific. Yeah, and I remember, um, and I know this will probably hit most Penguins fans hard, is well, there, was a, there was a little short spirit of a couple of years that we thought we were going to be robbed of Sidney Crosby. Like, we had that same, here we go again, that we did with Mario Lemieux. 
Mario Lemieux, we, we lost the prime of his career to cancer, and we thought we were going to be robbed of Sidney Crosby due to concussions. We thought the hockey world was going to be deprived of the greatest player of the modern era again. But he came back even better. He came back smarter. He knew how to avoid checks. He came back and understood hockey almost at a, at a better rate. Yeah, he wasn't... He wasn't putting up points quite as much because of the, the new era of hockey, but like he was still doing things nobody else can. And I think now with hopefully all those health injuries put behind him, I think Crosby can continue the same pace as Kane. Aside from concussions, he's not a big injury guy. I think he'll play well into his 30s, and I hope so for the sake of the Penguins. Very good player. There's a reason why, again, all those players look up to him for inspiration and, again, probably the well, not probably. He is the best player of the modern era, undisputed. And, of course, the last one, uh, Ovechkin. Do you want to take this one? Yeah. Ovechkin's probably the best pure goal scorer this generation. I would argue maybe even the best goal scorer of all time. Oh, that's a fair argument to make. Because he's had, like, what, seven or eight straight seasons of winning the Rocket Bichard or, like, having, like, a 50-goal season paired with his physicality. No other goal scorer in the NHL comes close. The only other uh, Rocket Richard winner I could think of this past decade was uh, Steven Stamkos. And since that one fluke year, Stamkos had 50 goals. He hasn't even come close to Ovechkin. Ovechkin is a model of consistency, not only with just his goal scoring, but also with his physicality, his leadership. He's the face of Russian hockey. To boot, he finally got a Stanley Cup. There was a... Uh, for a long time, there was a big concern, and it seemed almost inevitable that he was going to be known as the best player to never win a Stanley Cup. That would have been such a such a shame, but I'm glad we didn't have to live in that alternate history because Alex Ovechkin is he is the prototype of a power forward. He does everything that they do, and, and I mean he. Aside from just being an affable, like, I, I know, like, with the Penguins rivalry, we're supposed to hate them, but Alex Ovechkin's one of my favorite players because I just love to watch him. And I think he's good for hockey because he's just so crazy with what he does. The amount of joy on that man's face when they won the Stanley Cup, you can't recreate that. You can't, like, he just loves hockey. This is everything to him. And he got that. You know what the first thing he did was after cradling it like a baby? Hand it off to the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, the running joke, too, for a while with him was on the power play, pass it to Ovechkin. Did he score? No, pass it to Ovechkin. <laughs> but the problem is, is in a video game, you could patch that out. You can't patch that out of real life. Like, it doesn't matter if you know where Ovechkin's going to be. We've talked about this before. I've said this exact same quote. It doesn't matter if you know where he is. It doesn't matter if you can see him right in front of you. You're not going to stop that shot because he just understands hockey better than you. Carey Price does not understand hockey in the same way that Alex Ovechkin does. And that's just a fact. But I think there's a reason those three players were the unanimous pick. And you can see what they've done. Just I mean, just for us, how they changed hockey, but just for, I mean, for everybody. They're the best. I mean, and, and the thing is, they're three players from different countries. And we talked about inclusion. Alex Ovechkin probably changed Russian hockey players for the better. Sidney Crosby inspired a generation of Canadians, and Patrick Kane's the new crop of the USA. So, one more thing we wanted to talk about quickly is we had a top moment of the decade that really changed it for us. I wanted to go a little bit more in depth. 
with the future because that's a bit of a tie into our next show. So, Parker, we both got to experience firsthand the Vegas Golden Knights expansion. We watched the expansion draft at my house. Are you ready for Seattle? I think so. Better question, is the hockey world ready for Seattle? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, who would they just get as their GM? Ron Francis. Yeah. The hockey world's not ready. <laughs> but I'm excited that the West Conference finally has the same number of teams as the East now. That was, that was always something that made my OCD. Well, I actually have OCD, but that's something that made that sort of go haywire, seeing 16 teams and 15 teams. That was just driving me nuts. Yeah, I mean, and they've, like, Seattle's got a couple big things. Like, they've got Ron Francis as their GM. They've got, I think they'd hired Dave Tippett, or they're looking at Dave Tippett. I might be wrong, but I, that was a big rumor. I know one of the, the people they got was, uh, if you don't know who she is, Alex Mandricki. She is an analytics savant, like, in the world of hockey. She's basically there to run their analytical department. I mean, Seattle already is embracing the new hockey style, so I think they'll be fine right off the gate but I think it's kind of crazy that not that long ago we only had 30 teams and now we've got 32 I mean there's people who are just a little bit older than us that don't even remember when the Columbus Blue Jackets came in the league that's I mean, that's, that's crazy right yeah the Tampa Lightning came into the league into like the what like early 90s yeah they were one of the expansions along with Columbus and I think Florida too yeah and they're they're the only team of the three to win a Stanley Cup the one guy in South yeah. three and four. I think, if memory serves, they're the only team to make the final because I don't think Columbus or Florida have either. Well, Columbus never made it out of the first round, and Florida, <laughs> I think, only made the playoffs twice. Yeah, well, yeah. But um, the next decade will be interesting, and that's a tie into our next show. So, do we know what the Seattle team is named? Like, do they have a name yet? We don't. The names that were floated out there were anything from the Seattle. Kraken, the Seattle Totem, the Evergreen, the Seattle Walleye, which apparently the Walleye is the name they went with. I hope not. Oh, sorry, Seattle Sockeye, which I, is a walleye fish. I like totems, personally. The, somebody said to bring back the Seattle... Uh, Supersonics? Uh, not like... <laughs> <laughs> God, no. It will be interesting to see what they pick out for the name. We've talked about this, too, but um, it's certainly interesting how we start on the end of the decade of hockey. And the new crop of players, the new things that are about to happen, the rule changes, and everything to come. So we'll talk about that all next show. Just a teaser, we'll be talking about our who we think is going to be the next 10 best players. Do you want to give a teaser who your one of your guys are? I was about to scream Alexander Turco, but that's not a, he's definitely going to be one of them Okay. keep an eye out for. I think we both know the answer to that. Okay, on the, on the count of three, say it, okay? One, two, three. Alexis Lafreniere. Yes. I, I thought you were going to say it with me. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw you... Uh, you you shared the that one tweet yes with I him t- just like yeah. around like eight dudes and I'm yep. like wow if that's not the prettiest hockey move I've ever seen oh he's gonna be something special yeah no he's it's not that often that I feel that sure about an NHL prospect but he's it he is it for he's, sure he is going to be better than McDavid I am very excited for that and we'll get into that next episode as well as like I said our top ten list. And we do have a couple of guests coming up. I want to tease a couple of things for the upcoming shows before we go here. Like I said, that will be next show. And the show after that, we'll be doing our conclusion episode. We'll be talking about the top 25 players to each of us in the past decade. So we'll have a list for that, along with two other co-star guests, whatever we're calling co-hosts. We'll be going into just some fun moments in hockey, talking about 
what hockey, again, like we did today, what means to us. It's basically a lot of hockey. And then we'll wrap up that for the new year and we'll be back to the regular scheduled programming just to toss that out there. But for today's show, we want to thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with the next show and we have a guest lined up as well. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you.